update at noon. For more on this, we join on the line by legal journalist at Media 24, Karen Morn. Karen, good afternoon. Thanks so much for speaking to us. Welcome to Update at Noon. Thank you for having me. Karen, firstly, um, so uh, just to uh, contextualize for us, first and foremost, uh, this particular judgment, um, the court saying basically that Fraser acted uh, for impermissible purpose in deciding to release Zuma on medical parole. So let's unpack that. Well, essentially, this case is pivotal because it concerns um, the the provisions of the Correctional Services Act that govern a person's release on medical parole. And those provisions make it clear that you only become eligible for such par- parole if you are terminally ill or physically incapacitated to, to such a degree that you can't look after yourself. And essentially, after the Shapir Sheikh um, scandal, which we all remember, where he was found to be terminally ill and released um, by, by medical parole authorities at that uh, under so-called medical parole at the time and subsequently you know pictured on numerous um, golf courses in KZN and um, there was this formation of a medical parole advisory board that was explicitly tasked with determining whether someone was terminally ill incapacitated unable to look after themselves and essentially what the court has found is that Fraser unlawfully overrode the Medical Parole Advisory Board and did so irrationally and for an impermissible purpose in that, you know, his various claims about um, his various defenses for why he he, um, released Zuma on medical parole, including, you know, his concerns about possible riots if he died. Um, And essentially saying that, you know, setting a very firm you know, line in the sand in regards to medical parole that is explicitly finds that, you know, you can't simply ignore what the Medical Parole Advisory Board does when it decides that it will not recommend that someone be released. Karen, um, uh, going further, uh, Judge uh, Matojane also states that um, Zuma, of course, um, will have to return to prison, but states that in doing so, uh, this will not impact Zuma unfairly, as there is no suggestion that he is an innocent party. Well, essentially, you know, he's he made much of the fact that part of the provisions of the Correctional Services Act demand that someone not, um, you know, reoffend or be a risk for reoffending. And Jacob Zuma was found guilty of contempt of the Constitutional Court, not just because he defied its order to appear before the state capture inquiry, but also because as an aggravating factor, he launched a number of unsubstantiated attacks on that court and on the judiciary in general. Um, subsequent to like that, when, in, when he was, uh, you know, filing court papers in this matter, he continued to refer to himself as a prisoner of the Constitutional Court. And Matujani finding effectively that this demonstrated, you know, that he was essentially reoffending. He was essentially repeating, uh, repeating the exact same contentious um, uh, behavior that had landed him in prison in the first place. So he's essentially, um, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the aspects of this judgment that I think is going to be a pivotal dimension to any potential appeal. He's saying that all these months that he spent out of prison do actually don't actually count as part of his sentence. And that he, when he returns, you know, he is going to have to fulfill, whether it's a few weeks or a month or whatever it is, in order to meet that hallmark at which he again becomes eligible for parole because all this time that he's been out essentially don't form part of his sentence.
And Fraser, of course, um, admitted that uh, he basically uh, did not take the advice of the Medical Parole Board um, into consideration in making his determination. Uh, Sorry, Karen. Uh, But um, the judge also going on to state instances um, that uh, convinced him that the former president is, in fact, not terminally ill or severely incapacitated and goes on to say that he seems to be living a normal life, to quote. Yes, I mean, he specifically um, says that um, the Fraser's unlawful intervention resulted in, sorry for the cat, but she, she always does this when she hears noise, um, the, that essentially it resulted in Zuma enjoying nearly three months of his sentence sitting at home in Nkandla and not serving his sentence in any meaningful sense. And of course, referring to those highly publicized Sunday Times reports about Jacob Zuma um, being uh, meeting with his political allies, Carl Niehaus um, and Dudu Mieni, the former SAA board chair, um, at the Sibaya Casino on the 15th of October, um, you know, addressing his supporters at a virtual prayer meeting on the 14th of October. And, you know, he said that this clearly demonstrated that, you know, the board was correct in finding that Zuma was A, not terminally ill, and B, not physically incapacitated. So, Karen, where does this leave um, this whole case? Because firstly, um, as the judge has now ruled in favor of the applicants that uh, the actions by um, Arthur Fraser were unlawful. So what does this mean, firstly, for Arthur Fraser and for Jacob Zuma? Well, essentially, you know, I mean, the the National, National Department of Correctional Services did come out and support Fraser's decision in this litigation. They've made it clear, you know, in terms of the, the currently acting um, National Commissioner that he endorsed Fraser's decision. Um, so it's very clear that DCS have, have taken a stance that Fraser was correct in his application of the Correctional Services Act and that they believe and support him in his belief that he had the ability to make a separate decision that effectively over overrode the Medical Parole Advisory Board. So they're saying they're looking at the judgment, they're considering it, um, and I think that it is almost certain that the department uh, is very likely to appeal this, given the stance they took in the litigation. And then, of course, Jacob Zuma very likely to appeal it as well. And, of course, if an appeal is lodged, um, that effectively suspends the the orders granted by the court. And because this is, Sakina, such a pivotal case in terms of what are the requirements for medical parole, I think it is important that it is, um, you know, confirmed in some way, potentially by a higher court. Um, and those issues around whether or not the, the time frame that Jacob Zuma spent on so-called medical parole count or don't count is going to be a pivotal part of any potential future case. Um, at the moment, um, you know, everyone is saying they're studying the judgment, but they have a certain, uh, you know, amount of court days um, in which to lodge an appeal. And I think it's almost certain that at least Zuma is very likely to do that. Karen Morn, thanks so much for your time. A legal journalist at uh, Media24, Karen Morn, speaking to us there, um, unpacking the judgment. And as Karen said, uh, we've also been trying to call around just to get some reaction. Um, Correctional Services saying they are studying that judgment, as are a few other people that we've tried to get hold of. Uh, So we'll wait for uh, those reactions. But in the meantime, uh, we're joined on the line by legal counsel um, at the uh, Helen Suzman Foundation, Anton von Dalsen. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon, Anton. Welcome to Update at Noon. Thank you. Good afternoon.
So as the Helen Suzman Foundation, you'd also made an application in court to have Zuma's parole set aside. What's your reaction to the judgment? Well, the judgment uh, granted uh, what we asked for, uh, which we're happy about. And I think the, the point to underline here really is that it doesn't just concern the former president. It's, it's a principal issue of the rule of law that uh, the law as the, uh, in the constitution and legislation applies to everyone, however important they may be. And that uh, state um, agents or functionaries like the commissioner of prisons is unable to make up the law as he goes along. He has to stick to the rules. I think that's the most important thing to, to emphasize. So as uh, Karen Moon had pointed out, uh, very likely that uh, this uh, judgment will be taken on appeal. And uh, your views on that going forward, um, uh, what will your actions likely be uh, if that were to happen? Well, it's difficult for me to speculate on what um, the, the uh, legal representative of Mr. Zuma uh, will want to do. But if there is an appeal, obviously, uh, we, we will um, you know, stick to our guns. And um, uh, we will see where that goes. But then uh, just remember that if it's appealed to the Supreme Court of Appeal and finally ends up in the Constitutional Court, it will end up in the same court that sentenced uh, Mr. Zuma in the first place. So, uh, um, but it's, it's very difficult to speculate how the process will proceed. Anton van Dalton, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Um, Anton is um, uh, the legal counsellor at the Helen Sussman Foundation. And um, as we had said, uh, the Department of Correctional Services, they issued a statement saying that they are currently studying the judgment and will make further pronouncements in due course uh, because uh, part of the judgment there uh, says that the National Commissioner and Mr. Zuma are ordered to pay the costs of the applicants jointly and severally and such costs are to include the cost of two council. We're so important. Update at noon.